So you will joke, I will respond, and then it's off to the races. Yeah, we got all this content to talk We're about. We're going to talk about all the races. No! Is that funny? A race, a race countdown? No. You know, John, around this time of year, a lot of people like to make a lot of resolutions, and uh, they like to take a lot of pictures of themselves with those resolutions. You've seen a picture of yourself and thought, man, that's not, I I don't like that. I don't like how I look, right? I like to think of every picture I see of myself that I don't like as like a new before picture. And I have so many of these. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is 2020 Henry. And my name's Old Lang John. And together we're ringing in the new year on January 7th. <laughs> and bringing in all the new, the new, the new cultural zeitgeist with all the shiny chrome. Because we are officially, I don't know if you know this, John, we are officially living in the future. We, it took a while to get here. It really did. Uh, but now that we're living in the future, which is, of course, pre the post future of the 2049 universe of Blade yeah, Runner. Right. Uh, but we are living in the post Blade Runner world at this point. Yes, we're living in the future. Uh, slowly the world is becoming more and more like all of our post apocalyptic films. For instance, Australia is on fire. It's really the biggest one. Is Australia being on fire? I mean, Mad Max is just around the corner. I make jokes about this. This is actually a bigger fucking deal than anyone seems to be, like, making, yeah. you know. People really cared a lot about that one cathedral that didn't have anybody in it. I've seen, I've seen that take. I've seen the take that's like, hey, remember the Amazon fire? Well, that was this big. Remember those California fires? That was about this big. Now, here's Australia, and it's like, it's bigger than the other two bars combined. I feel like it's one of those things where the the scope of the disaster is so great that people don't want to think about it. Yeah. Uh, But also, I feel like a few people were charged recently with potentially starting those fires. Oh, they should probably... Did you know? You you probably do know. Like, I've heard like a million animals have Mm -hmm. died. A million animals? Yeah. I've never seen a million animals, let alone alive or dead. Yes. There's uh this is a real cheery material to start the podcast with, but there's uh videos of people like driving on the roads in Australia, just like hundreds of dead animals lining the road. Oh, have you seen D- the donate money, do what you yeah. can. Have you have you seen the videos of the firefighters of cars being overtaken by flames and he just has to keep going? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's stuff out of a fucking horror film and yep. yet it's just like We're yeah, not talking about it. It's real life. I'm uh, I'm not a hundred percent a slacktivist, but it takes me a lot to uh, donate to a cause. Uh, but I sure have donated to Australia. Plus, I get some sweet nudes out of it as well. Just kidding, I didn't do that one. But that, that's that, funny. That is a thing. I don't want to talk about that lady. Not because I don't, don't believe in what she's doing. She can do whatever she wants. Uh, but from what I understand, maybe in the past she did some racially insensitive stuff. But if you're raising money for Australia, that's a very good thing to do. Keep Wait. doing it. <laughs> Clarify. What? The sentences you said were like, apparently she might have done some racist stuff, but if you're raising money for Australian fires, that's okay to do. Don't, here's the thing. Don't raise money 
we it's important to compartmentalize. You can raise money for Australia by doing anything that isn't racist. Yes. If you had done something racist in the past, uh, sure, we'll we'll try you for that in the court of public opinion. We'll talk about it. But if you later are raising money for Australia by doing something, the most harmful thing anyone can do, which is be naked and attractive, great. Yeah, so donate to the, the NSW Rural Fire Service. That's New South Wales. Uh, donate to the firefighters and no one else. Like, <laughs> yes. And what I'm saying is like, don't go through a different charity. <laughs> Donate it to the people who are doing something about the problem. Yeah, and also maybe get some nudes. I don't know. Hey, would it do it? Do it? Do it? I'm gonna I'm gonna start an OnlyFans account for myself and uh, posting or buying. Oh, posting. Twenty percent of all proceeds from my OnlyFans account will probably be donated to the uh, NSW uh, Fire Department. All right, so John. It's 2020. Things are happening. It's the first week, first week down of 2020. I'm seven days sober. I'm, uh, hold on. When was the new year? Seven days ago. Okay, seven days ago. I am four days sober. Oh, really? You're dry anywhere you started a little into it? I forgot I was doing dry anywhere. Here's the thing. When you are given... I didn't drink like crazy. I understand. But when one of your Christmas gifts is whiskey glasses... You gotta drink whiskey. You really forget that you're doing dry January. So you go, you buy a nice little bottle of Eagle Rare or something. You pour a little whiskey. You watch a little Witcher. You have a good little time. And then you remember you're doing dry January. And then you remember you can't drink whiskey for three more weeks now. And you get furious. Yeah. So John and I are both... Uh, committed to being liquor-free, alcohol-free, mixed-drink-free for the next uh, three weeks. And I will not use alcohol on cuts either, because that way the alcohol would enter my body. Yeah, and uh, so that means no surgery, can't visit any hospitals. Yeah. Uh, no, no, like, uh, Germex. No Germex. No Germex. Alcohol-free. It's kind of like a cleanse. The only difference is it works. Yeah, it's a cleanse. It works, and I'm filthy. I've read so many... I've read two articles about the benefits of not drinking for a month. And, uh, like, your skin gets clearer, your bank account gets more money in it. Uh, women love you. <laughs> women, not more, just they do. <laughs> they just do. They're like, thank you for not drinking. They walk up to you and they shake your hand. I, uh, honestly, every time that I do dry January, I never regret it because... Listen, I think that dry January is something, being sober in the month of January is something that if you conflate it with actual, like, addiction therapy or recovery or rehabilitation, uh, get out of here. Because I, I don't think that that's yeah. a meaningful thing to say. Don't be like, oh, I quit drinking for a month and then oh, I just yeah. drink like an asshole for the rest of the year. I, or, oh, it's so easy to quit drinking. Anyone can do so it. Here's the thing. Yes, I'm coming to this with the perspective of I didn't know if I was an alcoholic or not. And clearly I'm not because yes. this has been easy. That being said, this is not easy for everybody. And no one should be taking life lessons from me. Yeah. I'm 29 years old and this is the first time since I started drinking at 23 that I'm taking a break from it. <laughs> And it's it's just a fun thing to do, because every time that I have done a dry January, I, I look back. It's always the same thing, is that I look at my bank account. I have an unusually large amount of money in it. And then, in addition, I feel better 
have lost weight, yeah. feel less stressed out, and sleep better. And I always wonder at the very end what that was. And then I remember, oh, I haven't been putting a poison in my body for a month. Which, you know, no shame for alcohol, but no one's out there saying it's a good thing to be oh, drinking. Yeah. No, there's, there's headlines out there that's like, no amount of alcohol is good for the body. And it's just like, well, yeah, we Duh. didn't think it was. No, you ever feel drunk and you think, this is how a body should feel. You ever drink, I don't know, four or five pretty strong mixed drinks or IPAs, and then you go to stand up and you're like, this is how standing should feel. And you look at yourself in a bathroom mirror and you're like, this is how someone should feel when they look at themselves in the mirror. Weird and dizzy and numb. So, I started drinking at 23... So in drinking years, I'm only six years old, which means when I get drunk, I feel invincible. I feel great. I feel like this is how I should always feel, which are worrying things to feel. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get none of that until the next day where it's just like, oh, I don't feel like I can keep food down right now. <laughs> I I very much like drinking to a point where I'm like, God, finally, my social anxiety has gone. Uh, and that just results in me being like a huge asshole. Yeah. But not... Giving up anything for a short period of time is a fun distraction. Uh, it is, of course, no replacement for moderation of or course. abstinence. Of course. Uh, which, I mean, you know, there are only some things worth abs- abstaining from completely. But here's... And one of them is not my OnlyFans account, www.onlyfans.com slash John from Zero Credits. <laughs> 20% to oh the New God. South Wales fi- Fire Department. Here's what got me to do the dry January, or dry annuary, as it's rightly called. Trademarked by me. <laughs> yes. Uh... I read a thing that said, like, in four weeks of no drinking, your liver function is just recovered completely. I don't know that that's true, but your liver does regenerate, and one can hope. If you don't poison it for a whole month, maybe it's it's better? I don't know. One would hope. What I'm looking forward to, uh, to quote Sarah Lynn from BoJack Horseman, I've heard that if you quit doing drugs, that first high that you get... <laughs> Is like a thousand times stronger. You know, you're not wrong. After you quit drinking for a little while, it's really easy to get drunk after a month. That's kind of really messed up. That's not why I'm doing it. Yeah. I, I just, that was a joke. If anyone struggles with addiction, please seek help. Yes, seek help. Do not listen to us. We are baby idiots. And so this week is brought to you by, you might have heard a can opening. That's a Coke Zero Sugar. And uh, John has something in a Taco Bell cup. It is gone. That, yes. That sucker... Has been sucked. I have consumed all of my diet Pepsi from Taco Bell, yeah. uh, which I consumed with three fresco bean burritos hurriedly in the car before I came here to podcast. You are welcome to bring your food into the apartment anytime you don't have to eat in the parking lot. I was famished. In the parking lot? In the parking lot of Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered the food and they handed it to me. I parked my car and ate. Wait, you went through the drive-thru. I went through the drive-thru. Then parked in the Taco Bell parking lot. With line. every intention of coming here to eat my food. However, I was famished. I ate those things in like three minutes. All right. Taco Bell's great. Uh, here's something that I've been thinking about. Talking about the new year. And January and how I managed to mess up dry January. Because... Uh, for the first week or so of January, and we're just now starting to get to the end of this, and this applies as well to the last week of the year, and maybe you can identify with this, 
Uh, I feel like that period of time between Christmas and about a week into the new year feels like a strange, like, liminal state yeah. where nothing is real. It's not real time. It, it, it's we, the, the entire planet falls into a false reality where days of the week don't matter, time doesn't matter, and your parents keep pouring you glasses of wine. Yeah, I I was always eating food out of trays, not eating standard meals, yeah. constantly a little bit drunk. And then when I went back to work after the new year had ticked over and it was a short week of work, it felt phenomenally fake. Oh yeah. I was like, why am I here? Why are any of us here? I went to, I went back to work Thursday and Friday. And uh just today I talked to somebody who I had apparently talked to Thursday and both of those days. And I asked him, like, how his New Year's was. And he's like, dude, we've already done this. We've been through this last week. And I looked at him dead in the eye and said, I don't remember last week. And I walked away. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you're in the right. <laughs> because there's, there's this two week period every year of just pure lost time. You know that there's a, there's a, a little ditty, a little Christmas ditty that, that goes like something like it's the most wonderful time of the year. For me, the most wonderful time of the year is those weird, strange days between Christmas and New Year's. Because it feels like if all time was like that, things might be a little better. I I wonder about that, though, because I'm a structure person, and those are like weirdly unstructured days, so it kind of stresses me out. Not at the time, but when I look at my watch and it's January 4th, I'm like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. It was It was December 28th. Two seconds ago. That, no, that, that did happen. And it, it gets weird because, like, you, you go, people in arguments were like, you do realize they haven't done that since last year. And then somebody's like right under that. It's like, you realize last year was a week ago, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. I, I can't, uh. Time is but an illusion and we are but players in it. Yes. Shakespeare didn't say that. He didn't. Uh, he did say time is a flat circle. All right, all right. Yeah, he, all right. Yeah, okay, we get it, Nostradamus. Uh, please, that's Matthew McConaughey-Nostradamus. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey-Nostradamus. Matthew Amadeus. There's so much happening in 2020, John. Oh, 2020 has kicked off with a, it's a like, literal bang. We exited that, that weird state of time and like other people have been plotting it's like when you're playing a board game against like someone who knows the game and you're kind of taking your turn in a daze and then it becomes their turn and they're like all right i activate all these things and you're like wait you can do that so that happened it's like one of those point collecting games like where you go around the the edge of the board and then you you're playing you're having fun and then someone who's played the game before or you know is just uh or is your girlfriend or is my girlfriend playing for the first time and and suddenly says well i have these seven sheep and one copper bar yeah uh since i'm on this land i can turn seven sheep and one copper bar into a water wheel the water wheel then provides water to all of my squares and i have 115 points and you have 13 yeah and she's just going around the board of her little piece and it's just like all right well i guess this 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 round's a bus. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's accurate. I feel like something happened like on January first. Am I making that up? I don't know. I feel like something happened on like January second. I something happened before the third. Oh, I mean something happened five days ago for sure. Yeah, something happened before the third. Wait, do we not? Are 
Or did that happen on the second? Did happen on the second. Holy shit! Where is time going? Yeah, the the new year just ticked over. It happened on the second. Man. The thing. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I was alive at nine eleven, but I was ten. No, I was eleven. I was eleven years old. I couldn't couldn't quite understand it. I've never been alive during like a major military operation before. Well, I mean, you, you have been alive during our uh, and, our cursed forever wars. Well, well, and present and cognizant and paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, the Iraqi war, which is still going on, question mark? Sure, there's still, there, there's still U.S. troops in Iraq. I, I see, like, it's kind of like, well, I inherited that war. I, I, I need to, I'm going to pay attention to the next one. And then, like, the next one's happening right now. Yeah. It is, uh, it's fascinating to think about because I, too, was... No, I was 12. Yeah, I was 12 on September 11th, 2001. And I remember it uh, very clearly. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let us know. I was, uh, so I was homeschooled. And on the day that it happened, I was asked to come outside and look at the TV. And they said, they explained it to me. Uh, and it was terrible. My parents were very upset. And I just wanted to know if I could go back to making my Yu-Gi-Oh deck. Uh, because I didn't truly understand what was happening. Uh, but also we, it's important to keep in mind the time following that event was a time of, uh, intense jingoism and, and great hawkishness from all American people. Like the American people would have co-signed any number of atrocities, uh, committed against almost any ethnic or national group for any reason following 9-11. We were extremely bloodthirsty. Uh, going into this with public sentiment being so different and the situation, uh, being on its face so different from 9-11, I don't really know where this one's going to go. Yeah, this is interesting, because for the first time, and at least in my lifetime, that's not going to be true, but I'm going to say the sentence anyway. America attacked a country that we weren't at war with seemingly for no reason. Uh, I would say the seemingly for no reason part is probably more accurate. We do the attacking countries we haven't declared war on all the time. Okay. Drones, baby. Well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the previous president was a uh, drone. I think I saw him called Drone McWarcrimey uh, the other day. That's fair. Drony McWarcrimey. Drony McWarcrimey. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it, it is... It's a red-letter day when the U.S. does commit a flagrant war crime. and We violated a peace treaty... That we negotiated for. Yes. It that, is. That seems insane. For people who don't, uh, who don't totally understand what happened, like when, when we drone struck Soleimani, the, what we did was the equivalent of Iran coming here and bombing a U.S. general. Yeah. Like the, without declaring war, that's a war crime and, and would warrant any amount of retaliation from the United States. And the thing that people get, keep getting caught up on is, oh, well, this person was a monster who has ordered to the deaths of hundreds and thousands of people. Like any good general would do. A general's job is to be directly implicated in the deaths of hundreds to thousands of people. Every U.S. general is the same. Yeah, it's the same as being mad at the butcher for killing a bunch of cows. And it's a question of of people saying like, oh, well, he's responsible for hundreds and thousands of deaths of uh, innocent Americans. Well, I'm like, well, American soldiers, yeah. for sure, but also 
We are responsible for the deaths of hundreds and thousands of Americans, of of Americans and Iraqis and Afghanis. Like we, just people, we do the same thing. It's it's the same job. It's a job that shouldn't exist. Yeah. War should not exist. Uh, but uh, to say that he's a monster is like yes, but also all of our guys are monsters too by that rationale. Yeah. So it. It's something that a lot of people are getting caught up on when when they're talking about the war crime we committed. Here, here's the thing about this war crime we committed. So, backing up a couple of years, uh, Iran made it known that they wanted to dabble in nuclear energy. And, of course, us civilized, quote, Western civilization was like, oh, no, we can't have people having the secrets of atomic energy. It's very dangerous. You guys want to build missiles, don't you? We we have a ton of missiles, and we think you want to build missiles, too, and we can't have that. And so, over years, people from the U.S. and people from Iran, they, they worked together to come up with a deal that said, no, 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 we just want nuclear power like a nuclear power plant Mm -hmm. that's all we're interested in we don't want the bomb and america was like we can work with that here's a very tenuous peace deal that puts forth regulations about what you can do with nuclear power and then we won't invade you and then a new president comes in and says i don't like the signature on that deal Let's kill one of the second most important person in that country because we can. And it's important to keep in mind that it is a peace deal that we negotiated. And there is a narrative that's going around right now that, and this is a pretty popular thing on Twitter, because, uh, look, I don't like Donald Trump at all. Uh, I think that he's uh, very silly. I think he's like like a shellfish. He's got nothing going on. But the, the, what a lot of people are saying, which puts a lot of blame off on him, which okay. he absolutely deserves blame for everything he's done. But the yeah. narrative they're saying is, oh, they presented him with a lot of options. Yeah, I've and, heard this. And the bombing of Soleimani, Soleimani was the craziest one that they put in there to make all the other ones look sane. And of course, yeah. that's the one he picked. Sure, but that discounts the fact that a a lot of hawkish generals and people in the military-industrial complex and in power in the United States for the last 20 years have been champing at the bit to bomb Iran. Yeah. Like, we have have actively wanted to do that for a really long time. Iran has been like a a huge trophy for big-time war hawks in America. So don't think it's all his fault. There's a lot of bad actors in the American government that would make something like that happen. I mean, there and there's also a lot to gain with a war. You know, the military-industrial complex gets richer and the poor dies. I mean, you know, just look at it this way. The estimated cost of a war with Iran, if it goes to a full-blown war, is about $2 trillion. Uh, and it would cost $81 billion to eliminate all medical debt. Yeah, I saw a good breakdown. It's like, here's what you could do with... Two trillion dollars, and there's all these really great things like eliminating student debt and guaranteeing four-year colleges, and you know addressing the homeless problem, homelessness problem, and uh, and then like it's like oh, and you would still have two hundred billion left over, yeah, because two trillion dollars is one of those numbers that we can't understand how mm-hmm. much that is, yeah, like there's no trillionaire on the planet at current, thankfully. If there, if you, I feel like you have to like 
it's it's like a the philosopher's stone. You have to sacrifice an entire nation's <laughs> people to make a trillion dollars. Mm. I it's fine. Uh, oh, it's happening. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's happening for sure. Uh, but no, I I, I definitely uh, I I don't understand. And we could make political gripes about this all day. It's also the most important thing that's happening. Don't get me wrong. Well, yeah, well, because it's escalating. But but one thing that we that I never understand and never will understand is whenever people let's not say who we support in a presidential election, but if someone were to say like I wanna I want Medicare for all, I want universal health care, single payer health care for all for every living American citizen. The answer is always, how would you pay for that? How would you pay? That's a, that's a pie in the sky dream. How, show me the numbers how you'd pay for that. However, if we start saying, uh, I would like to start a $2 trillion war, uh, to, uh, send thousands of our sons and daughters overseas and bring them back home in flag draped coffins and hopefully kill tens of thousands of enemy combatants uh, make their mothers weep, destroy their lives and towns and their cultural sites. People always say, well, I guess our hands are tied. Yeah. I guess we gotta do that one. Yeah, you see it all the time where it's like, we can't afford to give college to every person. And then they, they turn around and they buy a new like jet plane that was like, well, that alone would have done it. Yeah. But the amount of money you spent on that battleship would have did that would have covered the thing that I just proposed. But... If you could ever convince the American people that we need to spend less on defense, uh, you could probably also sell somebody a bridge. Yeah, it, it's it's phenomenally short-sighted uh, because we always assume that war is an inevitability, whereas actually taking care of our citizens is optional. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've done that throughout time. And like you said, the situation is escalating. It's escalated just today, January of- 7th. Now, it is a situation that's moving so quickly that I want to make sure that I've got the most up-to-date information on it. Uh, let me see. Vamp for time. The world is a bad place. Vamping for time. Iran, on. Iran fires missiles at U.S. troops at two bases in Iraq. Yes. Uh, the Pentagon says Iran launched more than a dozen ballistic missiles at two Iraqi military bases where U.S. troops were stationed. Also, the uh, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. No, that's Iraq. I forget the... Anyway, they, they claimed responsibility for the attack. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Oh, everything's changed now. I can't find it anymore. And, uh, of course, the uh, one of the issues that we're having as far as why we... Uh, why we didn't issue a statement or take action or why the, the response to the attack on the bases in Iraq seems to be all over the place. The reports are saying that Pentagon officials were sent home for an unusually heavy snow day. Really? In a situation where five days ago, what? We killed a top Iranian general and expected retaliation and have been told by the Iranian government that they would retaliate. Uh, Pentagon officials were sent home on a snow day. What? Yes. I hope that this is not true, but the last time I checked, people are saying that it is. That's insane. It's, I can't even believe it. Did you hear about the letter? 
We're living in a joke universe. Uh, the letter? So Iraq has asked for U.S. troops to leave Iraq. Yes. Uh, so they have, they've requested all of them to be withdrawn uh, because they do not want troops from a government that has committed war crimes uh, against uh, a partner nation of Iraq in... Understandable, that seems right? seems fair. The, the United States then said unequivocally, we will not be removing U.S. troops from Iraq. The United States then issued a letter stating we are removing uh, U.S. troops from our positions in Iraq. Oh, the U.S. Okay. then said that that letter was never supposed to go out because it was a draft and sending it out was a mistake. Oh, my gosh. Everything, everything is going insane. The hen house is upside down. It's almost... I've, so, I've seen so many things on Twitter that's like, hey, just so you know, people of Iran, this is the people of America here. We don't side, we don't stand with this. Yeah. We don't want this. It's, it's, it's almost like, can we just send you the guy who like... Yeah. Can we, can we like identify the people responsible just, for this? You know, just point fingers in the direction and like you guys leave us alone yeah i i don't know that that's an option but it would certainly be a nice one so it seems as though we are headed into another war which is this exhausting it's exhausting and we're not equipped to talk about it we're not equipped to talk about the ramifications of what this will have on the cultural zeitgeist all we can say is uh, good good luck if you're under 26. Yeah, if you're under 26. Or they could move it up to 30. Fuck you! <laughs> I mean, I'm saying... It, the, so here's something. Getting drafted as a young kid was one of my biggest fears. Yeah. The day, because in Louisiana, like, uh, if you get your driver's license, you're also signing up for the, the National Reserve. Yeah, selective service, baby. Selective service. So the day that that little card came in the mail, because it was sent automatically, was the day, like, my fears came to fruition. That's like, oh, starting now, my life could be over. Yeah. I could be on a bus to a boot camp and then shipped over, super not trained well enough to go kill some guys that I don't want to kill. Yeah. And there's no way out of it because I'm not rich. Yeah. The uh, draft dodging is possible, uh, but what I would say is, if you, no one wants a war. Nobody wants a war. But of course, the draft could be reinstated via executive order pretty easily. Oh my god. And the uh, the maximum age for military service for the draft being 26 can also be changed. Why would you say these things? I'm just saying anything, are, if are, we, the, the, the are risk. Jordan Peele? The risk of going to war. Are you producing a new horror film? Here's the, here's something that we have gotten disconnected from. Is this us? The risk of going to war is that you, Henry, could die. Yeah. That is, that has always been the risk of going to war. I it always will be. I don't want to die. Yeah, nobody wants to die, but in, in America, we're used to wars being something that we can watch and enjoy on TV. I also, for the record, I also didn't want to kill. Yeah. I also don't want to kill. Though when I, when selective service was a thing and I signed up for it, I was actually pretty seriously entertaining the idea of a career of military service. I very, very nearly joined the Air Force. There's a whole universe there where you're in the Air Force and you're like, you're top Air Force dog. Yeah. And then I lost faith in my country and I stopped pursuing it. 
Uh, I could be top Air Force dog. Top uh, Air Force bud. Uh, like Air Bud? There's n- technically, there's no rule in the regulations that says <laughs> a Golden Retriever cannot pilot an F-1 yeah, fighter. There, there is no... In the regulations, there's nothing forbidding a Golden Retriever from committing war crimes. There's nothing... In, in fact, in the Geneva Accords... There is nothing that forbids a golden retriever <laughs> from committing class A felonies on a global scale. Actually, incredibly, in the Geneva Convention, they say that only humans can commit war crimes. And hold on, wait, I'm getting word that the United States has put together a crack team of dogs, put them in fighter jets, and given them carte blanche to annihilate enemy positions. Wow. With extreme prejudice. Uh, incredible. The, the world is moving so fast. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a SEAL Air Bud 6. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but no, I'm just saying, anyone out there who's listening to this, I don't think we have a lot of pro-war listeners. Uh, oh, you'd be surprised. They're, they're coming in now, hot. They're coming in hot. Uh, but I'm just saying, if you're out there listening to this, just think about the fact that the the imminent threat of war, the ultimate threat of war, is that you could have to kill or die for a country that you do or do not believe in. Yep. And a country that does not believe in you. Uh, and a war can be a fun thing that we watch from a ways away, but also the uh, the ultimate end of a war for you could be a bullet entering your skull and you dying. Uh, so know the stakes. And know the stakes for others. Those are some pretty high stakes. Don't. They don't get much higher. Hashtag no war. Don't go to war. War is not and never will be cool. Yeah. Anyway, I've talked enough about war. I know. What a real downer. This whole episode, I I was thinking in my head, oh, it's going to be light and fun. It's 2020. We can talk about, like, resolutions and stuff. And then, like, the war stuff (laughs) happened. I was like... What's the point of a resolution when World War Three is, like, next week? Yeah, what what can we even talk about in, in the face of these things? Gotta say, if we're attacked on U.S. soil, I might have to rethink dry January. <laughs> uh, that is totally fair. Uh, we'll probably not be attacked on U.S. soil, but I do believe if we go to war, we'll lose. But, hey, we haven't won a war in a while anyway, so... yeah. <sighs> yeah, Iran, it turns out it's huge. It's covered in a bunch of different, like, biomes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. And so it's also covered in a bunch... Of, I'm repeating myself. <laughs> but the fact that it's huge means, like, yeah, it's it's huge. Mm-hmm. They've got, like, millions of people in it. Yeah. This isn't like trying to in- invade a tiny country with no resources they have all the resources. Yeah, they have a, a ton of resources and a huge the, military. They also used to be Persia. Yeah. You know how big the Persian Empire used to be? And also, if Iran wants to get the nuke, they could get it uh, at this point. Well, and they would give it to their immortals. That's what they called their swordsmen. Yes. And they would have immortals with nuclear arms. Is this, uh, what's that third, what's the second sequel to Assassin's Creed 2? Oh, Revelation. Revelation. That was set in the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, well, that was that's not Persian. I know. You dumbass. I forgot about it because it's been a long time. Listen, I didn't play an Assassin's Creed game for six years, and now I'm playing the one set in ancient Egypt. Okay. Okay. So it's an okay game. I like it. I'm playing Jedi's. Oh, that's cool too. That's also uh I'm playing Jedi that's also Man. history. Jedi Man Fallen Order. <sighs> 
Jedi. What, what, at this point, I'm struggling to think of what else is happening other than <sighs> the war. And this is how we will uh, talk about it in every future episode where we are trapped in World War Three. Yeah. Broadcasting from our This War of Mine style bunker. Well, you know, when a war is on, you have to ration stuff. So, like, they ration the content. They do. And uh, they don't, it only goes... Like, Marin just interviewed Brad Pitt and yeah. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. What do we get? War. Yeah, we, we can only talk about the war. Which is a shame because you really, if you're rich, they give you more rations, more content. They give you they give you two big celebrity guests. Yeah, they give you... We get negative. They give you capital G, capital C, good content. Yeah, we but, have to give Joseph Gordon-Levitt to... Uh, I don't know, Mabim Bam. Yeah, we we have to uh, we we actually have a guest share with Mabim Bam. Uh, it's like that scene, and I'm conflating two things, but it's like, like that scene, Doctor Zhivago, where he returns from the war, uh, and his home is like post-communist revolution. Even though Doc, that's fine. Uh, and uh, his home is like shared by like 50 different people because he lived in a mansion. Which number one serves that guy right? Uh, but our podcast has to, we have to start sharing airtime. Yeah. Because it's content now, but eventually we're going to be in here with the cast of, uh, uh, how did this get made? We're oh, going to yeah, be yeah. in here. We have to share, we have to and share it's time. Just, it's with just going to be talking in their gaps. That's how little we are. Yeah. If any, if, if like Paul Shear, is that his name? Yeah. If Jason Manzoukas pauses, we can like talk then. Around their podcast, but they're only aired on their channel. Yeah, it's a real It's going to be really, really tough. Yeah. <sighs> well, maybe we'll uh, we'll get drafted and then we can get all the good content we want when we're overseas. We'll it comes ha- in these little packs yeah. where you pour water in <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they get yeah. really hot and then you pull the content out yeah, of yeah. it. Uh, content ready to eat. <laughs> yeah, CREs. CREs. Yeah. Uh, I, I've actually I've eaten those. MREs? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, first time I had an MRE was post Katrina. Same. Yeah, people went around door to door just giving out MREs. It was was the only food we could get. Uh, post Katrina is probably the closest I will feel in my life to living in a war torn country. Yeah, same. Because there was no power. Everyone was out in the streets. We had electricity. We didn't have running water, which was a weird balance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like nothing was open. Everything was covered in debris. We were some of the first people in because my, my parents were both teachers. Uh-huh. And they wanted to open the schools back because that would get the parents, like, that would get families back into the parish. Yeah. So they're like teachers, uh, policemen, firemen, like civil servants. You get to come, you come back now so we can like get everything running up and running. Yeah. So we were some of the first people in. Mm-hmm. And it's like every, like the military set up shop in the, the, the parking lot of the shrine, the Shriners club. Yeah. And it was just like they were passing a water, MREs, and one other thing, maybe just like bread. Yeah. And it's just like you got in a line and it was, you just drove your car up to each station. And they just like threw it in the window, and then you were off. I uh, I was in it's a insane. I was in a place where the military went like door to door giving out big packs of MREs. Wow, that uh, must have been so nice. We uh, we did not lounging have... in your pant your pant your your palace mansion. We uh, we didn't have power for a week and a half though. Oh, that's and nice. I remember I had this little tiny MP3 player. That I got to see the battery like tick down on it slowly over time. I would ration out listening to my emo music as I fell asleep. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I never want, never going back, never going back to post hurricane times. Hopefully, me either. We'll see this war. (laughs) Yeah, if somehow Uh, we lose electricity, you know, Iran has the power to summon hurricanes. I feel like that was the plot of a movie that came out either last year or the year before. Did it star The Rock? No. Oh, I think it starred like Dennis Quaid. Sure. Geostorm? Geostorm! You're right. Forgot about Geostorm. Oh, we're actually having a guest visit right now. Peter Podker is on our ceiling. Oh, Peter Podker's back. Oh, look at him. The podcasting spider that I thought was in the other room has made an appearance in this room. He's branched out. He's coming toward us. It's fine. I thought he had died. I thought he had died, too. Maybe this is a different one. Maybe... I mean, let's be real... It most likely is a different one. If this... Don't you tell me Peter Podker's dead. Peter Podker died in the Spider Wars. Uh, this... Your, uh... Your home is full of spiders. Yeah, well, that's my curse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I dream about spiders. They're always in my nightmares. Oh, I thought... I was... I... You know, you never know if someone's talking about their dreams, if they mean good dreams or nightmares. Yeah. But it sounds like this one's a nightmare. Uh, it always is. It's all, and it's always like... I see it in such clear detail, and they're always, like, iridescent colors, and it's just kind of like, look, if you're going to bite me and turn me into Spider-Man, just get it fucking over with. Yeah, just do it now. It's like getting a shot. Uh, let me let me ask you a real quick question, Henry. All right. Do you have anything substantive to talk about in the next couple minutes? Because if not, I have something that that reminded me of. Uh, is it good? Um, I don't know if it's good. Not I, as far as content, probably it's okay. I mean, I could read uh, just some headlines real quick. Uh, is it about war? No. Oh. Uh, Harvey Weinstein indicted in Los Angeles on sex crime charges. You know what show has been giving me the craziest nightmares? The anarchist daughter of the GOP's gerrymandering mastermind just dumped all his maps and files on Google Drive. The Witcher. Have you seen The Witcher? Today I learned that serial killer Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento, only broke into unlocked houses. He saw locked doors as a sign that he wasn't welcome at a house, but unlocked doors as an invitation to come inside. So the thing about The Witcher is I'm not sure that it's a good show, but I really enjoy watching it. I have not watched any of it because I've been waiting to watch it with my dear wife, who is out of town. Oh, you're both big witch fans? She watched me play some of three... And so she's familiar with the character and the settings and the rambling that I do while I'm walking around as Geralt of Riviera going, I'm the witch, 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 witch. And she's like, is that from the the game? And I'm like, no. No, I just say it. That's just, this is me role playing. I would recommend The Witcher. It's got Henry Cavill in it. Here's my quick witch view. Of The Witcher. Alright. I think that... I don't know that the show is good. And... I think that Henry Cavill... For all of his many faults, of which I don't know what they are. uh, But for all of his many faults, he's a tremendous Geralt of Rivia. That's great. He nails the voice, kind of the mannerisms. He clearly seems the eyes... No, his eyes are wrong. His, they're not supposed to be like yellow? They're supposed to be cat eyes. Oh, he doesn't have cat eyes then. He doesn't have cat eyes. Uh, but, he kind of, it, 
it genuinely feels this way. And people say this about celebrities all the time, that they're nerds or whatever. And I don't feel like that's a meaningful distinction. But you really do feel as though if Henry Cavill isn't like a huge Witcher fan... He must have been briefed exquisitely on that character. Oh, he, yeah, he's a huge. He's read the stories. He's read the books. He's played the games. Like he begged to be cast in the role as Geralt of Rivieria, the butcher of Baklava. I when it's it's nuts how good he is as Geralt. He is Geralt because he he takes like the. I thought maybe they'd. And in some way, I prefer that they did it this way. I thought they'd take, like, some creative liberties with him versus his appearance in the games. Largely, it's just that guy. And he does a really good job. The voice is great. It's, it's just good. Uh, now, of course, I have not played The Witcher 1. Oh, I have. And I've only played The Witcher 2. I've played through half of that. But I think that the stories that are being told in the show are just from the books? Yes. Uh, and they, there is no overlap with the game. No, so yeah, the the games picked up after the books. Yes, and the first season of Witcher that is out right now is covering the first two books of short stories. Oh, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting because the something that I like about the Witcher and I like about the books is uh, they're so they're a series of Polish books. But they're, they're based on a folklore that we don't have a lot of... Crossover. Uh, yeah, we have almost no crossover with yeah. their folklore. So it's really interesting to see... There's a thing that happens in The Witcher multiple times where you're like, I can't believe what I'm seeing because this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, there's a... How to explain that there would be like a knight... Who's by surprise a hedgehog? What? I can't even explain it. What? I cannot even explain it to you. What? It's, it's so strange. But I thought you were talking about like drowners or something. No, there are. There's a striga though. There's a striga. It's a very good striga. Uh, but no, I, I, watching the show is like it's fascinating because I don't know if the show is actually good, but it's so shifted five degrees from what you expect is going to happen that it's just a, a, a real spellbinding watch. I don't... I get it. Spellbinding. I don't like... Because the, there's magic. I don't like the person that casts as Triss. That's unfortunate because she's like a big character. Yeah, I'm not... I Maybe she grows on you. I'm not a huge fan. Well, I mean, nothing will, will live up to video game Triss anyway. Stregobor. Is that a guy from the game? Was Stregobor in it? No. Shit. I don't know what that is. Okay, never mind. Uh, there was Dandelion. Yennefer. Yennefer is in three. Yes. Yennefer of Vigribigenergen. Uh, there's some good Yennefer stuff in this. Uh, what about Zoltan? Is Zoltan in it? Have not seen a Zoltan yet. Oh. I've seen a mouse, a mouse sack. Have you? Not, it's not a Zoltan. He is, he is <laughs> Zoltan. Have no Zoltan. Uh, so have you seen any dwarves? I, there are, okay, there are people in The Witcher who are the medical definition of dwarves. Oh, no. But, but I do the not. The mythical. Okay. The no. Okay. It's a, it's there, a good show. Because there are mythical dwarves in The Witcher. You know Witcher. what it feels like? A Legolas. It feels like. Game of Thrones. It feels like Game of Thrones if 
the cast, the the principal cast of Game of Thrones, in this case being Geralt, uh, was given books. like six more ability points at character generation. <laughs> so you you have these characters that are like significantly more like uh, observant and powerful and interesting than the other characters. But for those other characters, it's a real bloodbath. There's a it 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 gets pretty brutal. Well, yeah, it's The Witcher. Yeah, he, he carries two swords. Carries two swords, both for monsters. One of them is silver. One of them is not. The silver one's for monsters, and the one of them that's not is also for monsters. Everything that The Witcher carries is for monsters. Yeah, <laughs> there is a so. Uh, my girlfriend Allison, who I'm watching with, has not played or seen The Witcher. Yeah. Uh, but the you know how important like potions and tinctures are in the Witcher? oh yeah yeah absolutely present in the show At, well yeah it's the whole thing is see the potions they can drink only because they are mutants only because they're mutants yeah uh, but no the potions are a big part of it and uh, also another good thing about the Witcher doesn't explain everything to you doesn't even try really good it just what happens happens uh, which is something shows never do but. Before Geralt fought someone, he took out a little potion and drank it real quick. Also, people who are, like, really dissecting the show say, like, you can see the effects of the potions he drinks. They just don't tell you what he's doing. Uh, swallow? What? One of the potions. Swallow? Uh, what's that do? Uh, uh, it's been a while since I played The Witcher 2. Yeah, lets you regenerate health. Oh, maybe. Uh, cat's eye? Yes. You can see in the dirt. Cat's eye is definitely in there. You can see in the dirt. Uh, but he was he was downing a potion before a fight. Thunderbolt. And uh, Allison looked at me and said, is he drinking a five-hour energy? Because <laughs> they're in these little tiny opaque containers that really looked like he was downing a five-hour energy before he fought a Striga. <laughs> And I completely out of character, uh, Henry Cavill took out a five hour energy yeah. and just downed it and they had the CGI of the can. <laughs> yeah, in, into a potion. I think about that now with great regularity, the idea of Geralt of Rivia being like, it gives me five hours of clean energy without, it gives me five hours of yeah. clean energy without the crash. Storm's brewing. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> Sipping on a five-hour. I'd recommend watching The Witcher with your lady wife. We are going to as and soon as we finish his Dark Materials. Is that a show? HBO. HBO. It is a show, and it's Mufellas. Mufellas. Wait, is his Dark Materials the Golden Compass? Yeah. Philip Pullman. Yeah. Mufellas. What are you talking? Mufellas. Mufellas. <laughs> what are you? Mufellas. Mufellas? What? <laughs> the elephants? Mufellas? You're talking about the antelopes with the, the, the wheels? Yeah. Mufellas? They're in the third goddamn book. Mufellas? Shut up. Are the Mufellas in there? Not yet. Okay. No Mufellas. Noted. We're about uh, five episodes in. I thought they were elephants. I, I think I've they're ne- like antelope. never read these books. Oh, shut, the f- <laughs> shut up. Okay. It's a pretty good faithful adaption to the books. It's good. What about the what about the polar bear, Jorgis Borgeson, or whatever his name is? He's in it. Does he talk? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All I did was say the name of this television show. And you became the most obnoxious person on the planet. Look, my feelings on his dark materials is when the Golden Compass movie came out. Oh, it was bad. I knew a lot of people who were quite big fans of these books. 
And they were like, oh, the Mufellas are all wrong. Or they weren't in the movie or whatever. I have remembered Why would this. they? They're in the third book. I've remembered this to this day. How much people griped about that. They're not in the first book. Look, I don't know. I know that there's a polar bear called Jorgis Borgeson. Bjorn Bjorgeson. The thing is, I don't, I don't know. It's Yorick something. Yorick Bjorg Bjornson. Yeah. Bjorns. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. I'm a polar bear. Berenstain. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good so far. I'd like to watch it. Okay. How similar is it to The Witcher? <laughs> I don't know. Damn. I'm going to say it's completely different. Is there a wild hunt? No. Oh. The wild hunt is mentioned in the first season of The Witcher? It is mentioned. Wow. In passing. That's, that's what the third game's called. A uh, wild hunt. Whereas the second Witcher is called, uh... Assassin of Kings. Oh, yeah. King Foltest. Yeah. He's in the first... Uh, he's in The Witcher. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. You should watch it. I played the first game. Oh, was it good? Here's something... Okay, wait. I can be kind of a stickler about this thing. And there's no reason for us to bring it up on the podcast. Other than people like listening to us talk. <laughs> you know what I like about... Uh, playing the witchers which one uh two yeah well what do you like uh what i like is uh the sword fighting pretty realistic yeah like uh it was crazy to me to see Geralt half hand a sword where he flips around and hits people with the pommel that was cool uh but sword fighting in the show pretty kind of flashy and martial artsy Geralt shows his back to people a lot to do cool stuff which is like the cardinal sin of filming sword fights for television. Because it doesn't make them look cool, it just makes them look stupid. Well, the the thing about the fighting in the first game was that uh, it was all... You would click, Geralt would do his move. At the end of that move, you would click again, he would do the, another move. and So it was all like kind of rhythm-based. But the moves he would do would be really flippy and insane and stuff, like... And there was like a, they did a trail on the end of the sword so that like, it was like ribbon dancing. Yeah. And he does show his back to the opponent a lot because he's doing all these weird flips and stuff that it's like, that's the style of witcher he is. He's like, uh, one of the wolf. Flippy witcher. Flippy, flippy witch. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's supposed to look different and kind of otherworldly mm -hmm. because if everyone could fight like that, they would, but only witchers were trained that way. Yeah, I just remember Witcher 2, it looked fairly realistic other than your, like, crazy dodges. Yeah. But maybe I'm misremembering. You might be misremembering, because... Well, it, it also depended on what style of sword you were using. Oh. Silver, the silver moves tended to be a little more crazier. Okay. Because you were fighting monsters. Yeah, you gotta be crazy for monsters. Well, yeah, because... I mean, the, the fights look cool. I'm, I'm just a weird pedant about sword fighting and stuff. Alright, well, then uh, never watch a Star War. Oh, no. Lightsabers, please. They don't have any moves. If you watch A New Hope, the most realistic fight is when they slowly walk around and like touch lightsabers with each other and then half-heartedly swing at each other because no one in that scene thought that movie was going to make any fucking money. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> Star Wars. Should, maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe. Yeah. 
We can't talk about it yet because John hasn't seen it. We will talk about it eventually, though. Eventually, sure. We'll talk about it once the moment has passed. Henry, you seem like you're fading fast because you've melted into the couch. I'm just getting more comfortable. <laughs> you, you look like you are passing away. You were talking more and more about The Witcher, and I hadn't seen it, so I couldn't really contribute. Fine, we'll talk about something that excites Henry. Let's talk about his golden materials. No, we're not talking about that. Fine, what are we talking about? Horse games are trash and I'm pissed off. Horse games? What? What are we talking about? Uh, this comes from Emus with Teeth. Is this? Are you just reading off of Reddit? Let me take five minutes out of your day to fill you in on why I'm so fucking pissed. Can I do this? Yeah, you can do this. Like many of you, I started gaming as young as six years old. As far as I can recall, my first game ever was Pets, Horses for my bright pink Game Boy Advance SP. As a little girl who was completely new to gaming, this was the most amazing thing to ever happen to me. Complete with shitty chiptune music on my eight-second loop and comedically awful sound effects, this game blew my mind despite the fact that it was mind-numbingly boring. The seed was planted. This was only the beginning. Okay. Fast forward about three years, I've played nearly every horse game in the Pets franchise a hundred times over. Primarily on the Wii, DS, and DSi. Of course the stories are pointless, the gameplay is repetitive and obnoxious, but I was still happy. It had horses in it. I branched out to some other titles, much of them licensed by Nintendo, but nothing was exciting me like it had before. Every horse game was a copy of another horse game, which was a copy of another horse game. This happens to be the same year I actually touched a real horse. I liked it so much, I decided I wanted to give riding lessons a try. My wonderful parents humored me, and I sat on a horse and walked around with her once a week. Consider me enamored at this point, I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Unfortunately, that's not how budgets work. Back to the handheld ranch. At nine, my expectations were still low, but the fog of childhood wonder was beginning to lift. My horse games were boring, unrealistic, sugar-coated, and obnoxiously catered toward little girls that didn't know a damn thing about the equestrian world. With the newfound glory of the internet at my side, I set out on a mission to find it. The ultimate horse game. We mowed in hand, I scoured the internet. I read every top ten list, bought every four-star, two-review horse game off of Amazon, braved my local GameStop for any sign of a halfway decent horse game. After years of trials, I only found one horse game that was tolerable as far as progression, realism, and gameplay are considered. Gallop and Ride for the Wii. This was an underwhelming result, but it was something. After playing the game to death, I could say with confidence it was the best game I'd ever played in the genre. But that wasn't a huge achievement. It did some things right, and the game you play as the heir and manager of a sort of dude ranch. Guests come to stay at your inn, ride your horses, and enjoy the scenery. The game introduced some impressive concepts such as vacation... That's not... Such as vaccination, strain on your working horses, and a fun point system besides the regular currency. 
The controls were obnoxious, as every Wii, Wii horse game demands you to hold the Wii mote and nunchuck as if they were reins. But this beautiful game gave you the option to toggle your writing controls to a basic joystick and A button. Already ten times better. I have reason to believe other competitors in the horse genre thought little girls were too stupid to even navigate to the settings, since no other game had this possibility. Thank you, Gallop and Ride. You didn't suck so much. Here's why I'm pissed. While Gallop and Ride was one of the most mature equestrian games I've ever played, it's basically a unicorn. As a 19-year-old woman who is still shamelessly infatuated with horse games, I cannot find a single game on any console, much less PC, that boasts the same performance. Star Stable? Are you kidding me? Horse Hours? <laughs> it doesn't even have gameplay! You know your favorite genre is suffering when the only tolerable way to play it is in other genres. While Horses... Got, did get me started, I thankfully moved on to greener pastures. I discovered Pokemon, The Legend of Zelda, Dark Souls, all the games I love as an adult. But I I can say with confidence, Breath of the Wild does horse physics and mannerisms than any specialized horse game. If you Google horse games, some of your top results will consist of Red Dead Redemption, Shadow of the Colossus, and Breath of the Wild. My friends... These are obviously not horse games. I didn't enter the horse gaming world to make friends. I'm here to make champions, bank, and a hell of a reputation. I want to see my horses die. <laughs> I want to break out of this pocket dimension that every horse game seems to be stuck in and watch my estate age as it would in reality. A serious equestrian gamer doesn't have time for projectile hearts and five-minute-long nose rubs. We want gameplay. Where is the strategic breeding, the real-world illnesses and dilemmas, the branching careers, the satisfaction of rising to the occasion and being the best goddamn manager and equestrian you can be? Where is the soul? I truly believe that this is a game that hasn't been made yet. I can't say with certainty whether there is or isn't an equestrian game demand. Maybe I'm the only one who gives a shit. But I'm destined to be angry about this for the rest of my life. But should anyone else share in this passion, there is a serious genre to be filled here. I won't lose hope. And as someone in interested in game design... I won't abandon my own ideas for what the ultimate horse game should look like, but for God's sake, give the weird horse girls and guys of the world something to look forward to you. To, to. Thank you. I want, at this point, yeah, written on my tombstone, <laughs> yes. the phrase... <laughs> I want to see my horses die. <laughs> I want to see my horses die. I want to see my horses die. <laughs> uh, I just thank you, Emus with Teeth, for yes. writing that very beautiful rant. That, that might be, you know, all things are about balance. We have the impending world war, and then contrasting that, equal in its beauty... To the war's terror is Emus with Teeth's 
uh, eloquently worded uh, demand. Horse games are trash, and I'm pissed off. Horse games are trash, I'm pissed off. And that's something that I never considered. So I think the the, the lesson we need to take away from Emus with Teeth uh, beyond the obvious, and that somebody needs to get on that horse game genre and make that perfect unicorn of a game. Uh, 2020 is a year to be passionate. Let's let's forget about all this like weird negative energy of 2019. We called 2019 20 fight team because it was the year we were going to start fighting back, starting fighting back against. All of the bad stuff. And what happened was, I don't know about you, I got really worn down. Yeah. I feel like 29th Fight Team beat me up. Yeah. 20, 20 Fight Team, listen, you enter a fight, you don't know what's going to happen. Turns out we lost. We lost hard. But I think Emus with Teeth is sort of like the shining example of what to do in 2020. Find that one thing or more that you're extremely passionate about and just Go after it. Get it. Yeah. Do it. There's no easy name for 2020 for being passion. There's nothing as catchy as, as 20 fight team. Yeah. In the teens, you have a lot of stuff where you can, you can make some fun stuff happen. Yeah. Not, not a lot of things rhyme with 20. Yeah. Not a lot of, not a lot of things rhyme with 20. H- honey? 20 hunty? No. No. So. Here's this is going to be a long walk for no payoff, uh, but like okay, so 2020. The obvious thought is 2020 vision. 2020 vision. Extrapolate that. It's like don't have no. Okay, hindsight is 2020, but we don't want it to be hindsight. We want it to be present sight right now. Yeah. So something that says. Don't let your vision be hindsight 2020 colon the redemption story parentheses horse girl 2. Okay, so you're going with hashtag <laughs> don't let your present be hindsight. Don't let your, your vision be hindsight. Hashtag don't let your vision be hindsight 2020, 2020 colon, colon I forget the, the redemption. The redemption story. Peter Podker is right over your head. And then you also said... Horse Girl girl 2. Horse Girl 2. That's a pretty good hashtag. Um, I came up with one. Okay. Uh, Now, yours is pretty good. This is also going to be a long walk. Uh, So 2020 is the year of the rat. That's true. Hashtag infest the nest, boys. (laughs) That's not a long walk at all. Infest the nest. Infest the nest. 2020. The redemption story... We're looking at the podcasting spider, Peter Podker. I think with that, this call to action, like all good uh, missives in this time of war, yeah, ends on a call to action. I feel like that's a pretty natural place to sign off and to look forward to all the things 2020 has to bring. Yes, yeah. I didn't have any. I didn't have any more to add. I know. I know. I didn't have any more to add. Yes. Yes. We should do that. Yes. Yeah. It's a really interesting way to answer in the affirmative. Hey, did you? Uh, did you make a copy of this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. 
You, we, you said it so well. I don't. I didn't have anything to add. Call to action. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. The call to action. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I almost feel like yeah. Yes. It's odder to go from the proper yes to yeah than it is to go from yeah to yes. Well, like, if yeah, you, yes. If your inclination is to be formal first, and then you realize you were among friends, <laughs> you go to the more informal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, having said that call to action, that was a perfect place to wrap up our first episode of this new You've year. You've already said this. So, I don't know who's editing this week. I am. I edited best worst. Took me six hours. Let me do... That was a hell of an episode. Thank you for doing that. Let me do a little bit of quick math. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, yes, yeah. That yes. means you do the social yeah. media. All right, hashtag yes, yeah. Hashtag yes, yeah. Hashtag it fast the nest, boys. Hashtag uh, don't let your hindsight be behind you. 2020 horse girl redemption too. <laughs> if you want to send us your long diatribe about your your impassioned uh, subject of 2020, please, you can do so by sending us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your rants. Send us your pants. That's what your ants are wearing. I don't know. How do you do that? That seems hard. If you want to do it thread style on Twitter, you can do that uh, 280 characters at a time on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on twitter.com. And uh, John has what that stands for. That stands for... Jesus Christ, where did he go? He's right there. Okay, okay. That's right, ZCPC at... Wait, what the fuck? ZCPCWHJ at Twitter.com. That's how you say the Twitter handle. Huh. Uh, we are on a couple of new things. We're on Podchaser, which, which is like a new podcast social media thing. If you look for us on Podchaser Zero Credits, uh, we'll pop up. Leave us a review on that. I don't know what happens. I don't know. They 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 hoodwinked me, John. They added me. They made me add a Podchaser thing. I don't know. Look us up on Podchaser. We are on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a ra- rating and a review on that, we can climb those charts in 2020 and become more popular than other people. I don't know. Nah. Mark Marin. We're also on Spotify. You can find us by searching for zero credit open parenthesis closed. Oh, man. Zero credit open parenthesis S closed parenthesis on Spotify in the, in the, in the podcast section of Spotify. That's how my wife watches us. So I, I guess it works. I don't know. I, I've never used Spotify. Is that where you can listen to John Mulaney's uh, album? He has a comedy album called Top Part? Can't? Oh, well, that's too bad. But last but not least in 2020, I know you're going to talk to at least one person, so tell them about Zero Credits Podcast, and they might tell a whole bunch more people. You never know. You can't dictate what people do with the information you give them. That's how Nazis started. Wait, what? Anyway, that's the social media wrap-up. We're not going to linger on this. We're just going to move on. Oh, I need I need to say word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. No, I didn't miss the whole part. J- John, I literally just talked about word of the mouth. I just didn't say the phrase. 
Okay, I just said word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Now this is pod chasing. Oh, pod chaser. Yeah. I you, guess you mentioned pod chasing. Yeah, I guess we could give them that for free. Now this is pod chasing? Yeah. You'd think they would have thought of it already. I don't know if they thought of much, because they made a whole platform and then like bullied me into joining it, and then I realized no one else was on it. <laughs> what kind of knuckleheads are out there running pod chaser? I don't know. We're gonna take it to the establishment. It, they did a weird thing there was like tell us what your podcast or no like link your latest episode but it said pod chaser links only so i thought oh this was a they're that they're a big deal yeah people have pod chaser links and then i look at the other people on pod chaser and it's like us and a bunch of people i've never heard of just a bunch of other rubes yeah well yeah maybe we'll become famous as early adopters but i just have to say what kind of knuckleheads are running that operation and i hate it and from everyone here at the Zero Credits two-bedroom, two-bathroom, spider-infested apartment studios, we want to wish you a Happy New Year. How long can you keep saying that? I've said it to two people today. Happy New Year? Yeah. I think you probably can say it up until the point where there are no more years. Okay. And a happy week. Goodbye. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Is that, yeah. was, that was really like a, I just didn't know what to say. No, you said it in the stupidest way. You, <laughs> however you're imagining you said it, you said it in a much stupider way. Well, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you said yes, it, yeah. it was like a, it was like something that you had said a million times before, which is, yes, yeah. Not like with a casual nonchalance. Yes, yeah? <laughs> Pretty much. I was like, yes, yeah! I don't know why that's such a big thing, but okay. I guess that's the, the title of the episode. <laughs> what if the title of the episode is, I guess that's the title of the episode. The quality is in the shitter. Happy New Year! Have we ever recorded the sound of the table going down? Not good. Not good on the waveform. Not good.